question for you, young lady. Every one of the kids in this house is happy except for you. Why is that? No, What's your problem? Stop it! All I can say is that my life is very complicated. I'm sorry, but I didn't get half of what you said. This is a real Canadian movie podcast, Independent Investigation. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I'm your host today, Becky Shrimpton. I have a bit of a cold, which is why I'm nice and scratchy. Uh, and this week, I'm going to be talking to documentarian Jaron Heyman about his new movie, This Is North Preston. The movie is going to be opening theatrically tomorrow in Toronto and Halifax. That's Friday, May 17th, 2019. It's currently available to stream on iTunes in the U.S., that's for our American listeners, and is going to be available on iTunes in Canada on the 20th. So you're going to be able to watch it wherever you are. And I do recommend you watch it um, because it's showing a side of Canada that we don't often look at and we don't often talk about. Uh, Profiling this small town in Nova Scotia, which has a population of around 4,000 people. Um, It has primarily an indigenous black population. It was the last stop on the Underground Railroad. Uh, you need to know more about that, and the documentary does a really great job of breaking down the history. Um, and it's also a place with a national reputation for violence, uh, sex trafficking, pimping is a word they use, um, and it faces a lot of social challenges. Jaron Heyman is a documentarian uh, and a musician and a bunch of other stuff. He's had a really interesting career, and I actually recommend you check out another of his documentaries. I watched it the other day um, called Bodyguards. It's really badass and has an awesome narration by Kim Coates, which is just killer. We're going to talk about it a little bit in this interview as well. Um, so if you want a little bit extra, if you really like uh, This is North Preston, go check that one out as well. That one's available on iTunes. I think that's just about everything as per usual. If you like the show, tell your friends. Let them know about us. Uh, Let me know how you liked the movie. You can reach us on Twitter at RCMPod or on the website anytime, rcmpodcast.com. I'm really good at getting back to emails, guys. I'm really good at it. Okay, without further ado, here is my interview with Jaron Heyman. You know, this film is is meant to spark conversation and meant to make people feel something and and think. And uh, so no lack of that anyway, you know? (laughs) I bet not. Well, I mean, that's the point of all documentary, right? It's like sometimes it's there to make us feel good. Sometimes it's there to be like, these are things we need to be talking about. Are you aware this was actually a situation? And I mean, for me, I didn't know anything about North Preston. So this was definitely a whole new world. Yeah, me either. Uh, And that's why I was so drawn to it, you know? I mean... It's it's something I, I would think that nobody really knows about in this country unless you live in Nova Scotia. And in Nova Scotia, it's such a hot button issue because they, they have a really bad rep. Some of that can be warranted maybe, but it's just so easy to paint you know, and label something or somebody with one brush without knowing the full story. So, you know, for me, as, as, as more as I dove into it, I mean, as a filmmaker, you're obviously drawn to stories and and unique ones. Um, and some just really, you know, capture you and, and this one did, but, you know, it was important for me to, to kind of tell all sides, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I definitely didn't shy away from the problems and, um, you know, some of the issues they have. And yeah, so for me, it was just really important to, to show the raw, real side of things. But also it's like, OK, why is this happening? You know, why has this happened? And, um, you know, maybe if you better understand something, you can start to look to change it. And, you know, maybe for, the, uh, you know, Canadians, we can open some eyes and then from Scotians, they could maybe empathize a bit. 
it, you know? Yeah, the process for you was you get approached by an old buddy to come do a movie about Just Chase, you start talking to him, you hear his story, you make arrangements to go to the community, start filming. Um, what were you ready for? And then what were some of like the biggest surprises that you found when you got there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge believer in pre-production and I try to prepare myself as much as possible for these things. And, and with docs, you know, you go in with a a plan and that plan changes always. But for this one, it was almost like I couldn't prepare as much because getting people on the phone over there, like it's its own little secluded place, you know, it's the middle of the woods off the highway, cell phone service is shoddy. So, you know, it was part of the beautiful part about this movie was most, not most, but a good amount of the characters uh, we found and we featured, I didn't meet or know about until I was there and just became ingrained in, in the community itself. You know, like Reverend Gray, for example, who is probably my favorite guy in the whole movie. You know, he was from North Preston, but he lives in Montreal. He was just visiting for the weekend. And we just luckily stumbled upon him to have a conversation that really carries a lot of it. Um, you know, Gary James Pops, who's at the beginning, who does the history part, you know, he lives down the street from me in Toronto. And I've seen him around I'm playing basketball and such, but never really spoke to him. And all of a sudden, he was just standing outside of Chase's house when we were shooting one day. And turns out he's a North Preston historian. And that <laughs> be an incredible part. Um, you know, I was prepared for some of the darker sides, uh, maybe, you know, like the, having the guns around and, and um, that type of thing. Um, I mean, when you're shooting as a filmmaker, I, I mean, for me anyway – you're just trying to get the best story and the best shot. So I've never once been like, Oh my God, this is, this is weird. It's mostly like, how do we capture this properly? Um, my crew might tell you a different story, but for me, that's, that's how it was. Well, cause I watched your other documentary, uh, bodyguards, which I loved very, very much. I thought that oh, was, awesome. Oh, it's so cool, man. Like it's so well orchestrated. I mean, the Kim Coates narration is gold. Um, yeah. your, your soundtrack's great. It's awesome. Um, but in that one too, you're doing like, uh, these crazy things in the middle of crazy situations. There's a live round training exercise going on. You're in the middle of it with your cameras. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, in this film, there's a fight that breaks out that looks pretty brutal. And I have yeah. to ask, number one, how do people continue to insure you? And number two, what sort of like <laughs> technical considerations do you have in these situations? Like, how do you how do you move your crew? How do you get them ready? We were. OK, so that fight, let's keep it on the North Preston one, because I guess it's most topical. But the fight that breaks out, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess. But um, obviously, it's very organic. I couldn't believe it was happening. And we were in a, um, an individual's very, very small house and kitchen. Um, you know, we had uh, we ran with a small crew. It was two camera guys, one audio guy, myself, and then, you know, some people on the ground helping us in the community. But even still, you know, we're in a kitchen with that many people. And it's like, you know, a shoulder to shoulder. Um, and when that fight broke out you know i was pretty blown away i mean i guess it was tensions blowing over uh between the two women and uh you know it, they just they just couldn't care less if cameras were there or not type thing um so from a technical standpoint i always you know make sure that i you know let the i hire people who are just as into it as i am you know and and with doc work you kind of have to you know for these guys most of the crew were loving it and you know we became friends with a lot of these these people in the community and but you know for them to keep themselves safe that's almost secondary to getting the shots as, as, as nuts as that sounds um you know i'm lucky enough to work with great people my my dp brian hamilton you know i think did an incredible job with this with this film to to make it look so cinematic and uh yeah the shots first over everything Thing, really yeah you guys had a great time with the drones you were really taking them out for a ride mm -hmm. the, the drones themselves i mean you can't 
you had to, you know, like getting a getting and drones can be overused in movies these days. But like to see this tiny community in the woods, like it doesn't do it justice with our shots from the street, you know, to be able to kind of see it from above paints a better a better picture, I think, for sure. Oh, exactly. Especially because there's so much gathering in the streets of people. You get the idea it's a bigger community than it is, but it's not. Yeah. It's what, like 4,000 people? Yeah, and I mean, 4,000 seems like a stretch to me even, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's about 4,000, yeah, is what they say. Oh, man. Okay, so you've got this whole uh, situation. You're As you get into the community, you're finding, okay, this is a problem, this is a problem. We've got racial profiling, we've got the sex trade, we've got all these other things going on. How do you decide how much attention you're going to give to each segment within the documentary? That was the hardest part, you know, each one of these topics we dive into, uh, you know, history, opportunity, or lack of opportunity, I should say, you know, Chase's story, obviously, um, pimping, trafficking victims, police relationships, like, we we jumped around a lot, but I mean, ultimately, I I just made the decision that it was important to, you know, I'd say most people that are going to see this movie either don't know about it or or don't know everything that's going on so to kind of give a little bit of each one i felt was right for this itself but honestly they all it should it could have been a series you know like each topic deserves more and that's something you know you hear from people after they see it it's like oh you should have spent more time on this you know and you know the trafficking victims for example it was so important for me to get their voice in as hard as it was to find them and 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 get them to be able to talk but like that's a whole story on itself that needs attention you know but you know for this it was me staying true to our main guys who were following who's chase and and corvell and and then, yeah, it was kind of just like something that it was a, a puzzle piece, really, where you were trying to go around making it feel right. Yeah, because at your core, this is meant to be a movie about Chase and you're following him and his story. And that's why we come back to him at the very end as kind of like the little bow and seeing his success. that This is where he came from. There's a lot of issues that are presented, but you don't see a lot of solutions except for just get out. And I'm curious as to if there is anything happening in, in the community to make things better. Yeah, I mean, there's no easy answers to that. No, question. it's so complex. And 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 Veli said it best with the you know, especially when he started talking about gun violence. He's like, listen, it's my responsibility now to kind of bring up the younger generation and and see that this it can't go on like this. Um, you know, gu- I'd say obviously the gun violence within the community is probably the most hot button issue with them because it, it, they're they're family, right? And it's just kind of spiraled out of control. So for them to kind of um, you know do initiatives like they have a peace tournament going on. They have peace talks going on now and and just information is so key Um, is a big part of it. You know, when when the guys talk about, especially in the pimping side, when they're like, listen, I grew up and this is all I saw. The people successful, you know, were hustlers and, and they were pimps. What else am I supposed to do? And like, you know, you don't have to agree with that, but you can certainly kind of understand it. We're all victim to our environments. You know, we're all victim to what we see every day. It becomes kind of who we are. Um, but that generation, you know, I'm 32 years old and, and these guys who are about that age as well, the main guys anyway, you know, we didn't have when we were young. We didn't. Have, the Internet is still kind of a new thing where you're not really getting as much, you know, in high school when, when you're really developing you don't have access to that information doing movies like this and seeing the effects um will definitely help i think you know a a big huge part of it comes down to um you know economic uh infrastructure you know they they still do not have nearly the amount of support from the government uh as other cities and towns do which is part of being cut off from society yeah and nova scotia's in trouble period like there's not a lot of work there 
No, exactly. And, and, um, I, I mean, resources are a huge part of it, you know, just if, if there's no resources and there's no, you know, access to proper education or, or ways out, then it's going to be a kind of continued spiral, you know what I mean? And, um, I think that bringing light to it, step one, but, you know, people in the movie like Putty, like Miranda Kane are, are, are working tirelessly to change the narrative and, um, you know, change the, the outlook. So then I have to ask if uh, anyone in the community has seen the film and if there's been any response to it. The people in the movie have seen the film, um, and even some of the community leaders were a little apprehensive with the trailer. Um, but once they saw it, they're like, "Oh, okay, great. This is, you know, this is this tells the full story." Um, there's a fair amount of people who haven't seen the movie who are fiercely judging it right now as something we're going through, um, which is unfortunate, but it's very interesting to me, you know, because like these are the individuals who have been judged themselves for, through lack of information and lack of knowledge by outsiders and, uh, you know, have been uh, mis mistreated because of it and they're kind of doing the same thing, and, which I understand. Like it's a very protective community. It's small, you know, but I think at the end of the day, once the majority of people see it and, and what we're trying to do here, um, uh, you know, it, it'll be a positive thing. Now, if they want to be blind to the issues that are happening, like everything in the movie is real, you know, everything's real life. We're not putting pe words in people's mouth. It's, it's true stuff that's happening. So, you know, you, you really have to address the issues themselves first and look at it, um, with clear eyes um i think and and if you if they don't want to do that then that's a whole other issue itself and that's something that struck me as interesting as well is that uh, they make it very prominent that the whole idea is a lifestyle they're not a gang and it's just one or two bad apples but the only thing i didn't see was them defining what they think a gang is and what the difference is did you ever come across that <sighs> yeah i did it, it, this is kind of what it boils down to with me really uh, what i thought is like gangs are um, you know, f organized organizations, if you will. These guys kind of learn the game, if you will, game, not gang, learn the game at a young age, the ones who are involved in crime, you know, the ones that grew up in that lifestyle, because once again, it's definitely not everybody, um, you know, and the ones that do that, uh, kind of learn it themselves and go off and kind of run their own franchise type situation, you know what I mean? And, and go all across Canada and learn what they learned in, in uh, Scotia and through that um, and do it that way. So I'd say that would be the major difference. Now, you're a white dude who's just walking into this town and you've got a bunch of cameras with you. And I don't know what the ethnic makeup of your camera crew and your uh, your sound guy were. Um, but how much do you feel like people were postulating for the camera versus how close do you think you got to people? I, I really don't think it, there was much postulating at all. Um, I, you know, yeah, as a white filmmaker going in. You know, I was actually like I was really welcomed by the community. I, I I always felt welcomed because a part of that I think is I was just put all my cards on the table. I was like, guys, we're we're gonna tell the story of Chase as the micro version or being the micro look, while we're also gonna look at the town as a macro look. And you know, we will work our hardest to to show all sides of this. You know, I came in not having a bias. I came in without any judgment. I came in without any knowledge. So I told everybody, I'm like, we're not going to shy away from the, the bad things going on, but we'll look at why they're going on. And then we'll look at the good side too. So I think just being really honest with them allowed them to open up. And ultimately I think they, they wanted their voices heard too. You know, like this is, it's not a chance they get every day. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a voice, uh, I guess, to bring this to life. And, and, um, you know, this wasn't something like it was a, a, a commissioned doc by, 
Vice, which is actually was supposed to be, or like a Netflix thing. Like we raised the money ourselves and it was a passion project. So I think a lot of it, yeah, that, that's part of why they were able to really, you know, um, tell the truth and, and tell their side of things. Now I do a Canadian film podcast, so I'm very familiar with some of Canadian media. And uh, we have this habit in Canada where we believe that we are not as bad as the Americans. And whatever they're going through is a hundred times worse than we ever possibly could. But I feel like a lot of our problems and issues, we sort of sweep under the rug and we're just like, oh no, we don't have to think about that because we don't do that. That's not who we are. But with new media and with things like streaming services and documentaries like you're doing. I mean, Vice has been great for this. Uh, Podcasting, Missing and Murder, uh, the new Thunder Bay one. All of these are really kind of bringing these festering boils, if you will, up to to the light. And now we're having to address them and having to look at them. Do you think things like this are just going to be kept uh, under the rug? Or do you think we're going to be able to address them now, now that it's more out there? Well, it's being addressed in the East Coast right now. I mean, front page news almost every day is the street checks and carding issues that's been going on over there. Um, and that comes with information, you know. Uh, when we talk about Kirk Johnson's story in, in the movie, um, that brings it to light as well. You know, the fact that a championship boxer can be pulled over 29 times in two weeks is, is the most disgusting thing you can even think about, you know. This guy's supposed to be the pride and joy of this this place, and they're treating him like that. So, um, you know, we're lucky to be in Canada. I'm lucky to grow up in, you know, Toronto and be so so involved in a multicultural life since I was a kid. But, um, you know, outside of these major cities, a lot of this stuff still goes on. And for whatever reason, on the East Coast, which I didn't even know before doing this, is, you know, racism still a massive, massive thing. Um, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, the more people kind of, I guess, shape up and, and learn, the more it's going to change, I think. I'd hope so. I think we're seeing definitely a swing towards a conservative right now. I mean, what just happened in Alberta with them reelecting the conservatives there, uh, us getting Doug Ford into power here in Ontario. Uh, we're going to see what happens with Andrew Scheer in a few months. Um, and they're also cultivating that sort of, uh, if you will, far right sort of sentiment and feeling, which can go hand in hand with white supremacy. So it'll be interesting to see how documentaries like yours, which is very badass and very cool, and you're hitting a certain demographic with it, uh, how those people will be seeing these issues and how that will reflect later in politics. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and then I also have to ask you, so there, you have been receiving some flack uh, in reviews and interviews over the glamorization of the lifestyle and also the representation of women in the film. Um, and do you think you'll be taking any of that feedback forward into future projects of doing things differently next time? Or how do you feel about it? The glamorization side, uh, I really don't agree with, to be totally honest. I think I, you know, it's a documentary, and I'm trying to show real life here. Um, you know, I, when we went into this, I, I didn't think it would be believable if we just like swept that part of it under the rug of, of how these guys think and feel about things. You know, uh, it's part of the story, and if you want to think, or if people want to say it's glamorizing then it's just real life, <laughs> you know? So for me not to show that would be doing a disservice to the film. The women's side of things, um, you know, that it's it's almost like that's the message you're supposed to get, you know? You don't hear from as many women in the movie because it's still a male-dominated culture. It was really hard to get women to speak on camera. Um, it, it just was. And I tried, you know, I tried many different uh, angles and aspects, and, and a lot of people said yes and then backed out. So whatever that that is, is, you know, something different. But um, that's part of the issue over there, too, uh, from what we saw. So, um, yeah. 
Can I ask if at any point you brought a woman in to conduct those interviews or to do those uh, to do those talks? If I brought a woman in to uh, interview? To, yeah, to conduct those interviews or to make those connections or do those things. Just what the approach was for that. Yeah, I mean, we had we had female representation in the movie and I kept going through them or even community leaders, you know, like Putty, the mayor over there. I was going through him or Miranda Kane, you know, but it was really hard. <laughs> no, I totally hear you. I think part of the part of the issue, because this was something that did stand out for me. And part of the issue I think I had was the contrast of some of the images was that all of a sudden I was seeing clips of like a strip club. And I was like, oh, that actually looks really glamorous. Or there's one moment where you have it looks like amateur pornography. And I found that very jarring. And I wasn't totally sure why it was there. It, it made me feel for sure. I just didn't feel like it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I wasn't sure how I how it tied into the narrative. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, that shot, it's, it's, it's supposed to make you jar up and, and feel that way, really. Uh, it's showing, you know, I think this is some of how these guys objectify women. Right. But I feel without the context of what I was looking at, it just felt out of context and it just felt it felt manipulative, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Well, I mean, I don't understand how it would be manipulative if, if it made you feel bad, right? If it made you, if it jarred an emotion that you thought, what the hell is this? That's maybe what it was supposed to do, right? Um, yes, but I also didn't know why it was there or who I was looking at or if this was something they had made. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't totally clear why it was in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's- Totally. That's just my just my two cents. Um, but I'm also very curious about the soundtrack. Like you are a music guy, and the sound in this is awesome. You're uh, you've got all this incredible gospel music that's all about hope, which is awesome. Um, and then of course you're contrasting that with all the hip hop. At what point did the soundtrack come in, and when did you figure out you wanted to use the gospel for this for the soaring moments? From the beginning, um, you know, I do all my soundtracks with, I, I work on all of them. I do sound design for all of them. Um, so I was working with a really incredible producer, um, Sammy Tetzba, uh, and we created all the music from scratch, um, minus chases, of course. But then we also had the help of the Wallace Family Choir um, from North Preston, who laid down some vocals for us that and were incredible, who opened up and, and closed the film. And then, you know, we took some samples from that and took some online sample, or not online, some, uh, some samples in um you know the software itself um and and i really just thought it was a perfect mix you know and and we were um it was kind of the vocals was matched up with a different type of like strings and 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 drums and bass that um traditionally might not go together but i think it it really felt um right for the vibe of of the movie itself yeah, it definitely flows very well and really helps you connect each of the moods of every piece because there's so much going on that it really ni- it does a nice connection. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I made it, of course. Um, what do you hope people will walk away from after watching this movie? What do you hope they'll take? The main thing is for Canadians to see that this still exists um, out in the world, right? Like that's 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 kind of number one. And then for Scotians, it's for them to empathize and understand more, you know? Even if they still don't agree with what's going on over there type thing, that is still, I would say, something we want to do, you know? A lot of people paint North Preston with a bad brush and, and that's uh, based off of stereotypes and, and just reputation, you know? Um, when I was over there filming, I'd be posting some stuff and people would be, from my friends from Halifax would be like, you're in North Preston, like, what are you doing? I don't go there. So for them to maybe see what it's like and see kind of, you know, what the issues have been like for decades and, and the effect 
of these issues and, and things that have been going on. Uh, hopefully it just, you know, opens some eyes, really. Uh, and then my last uh, two questions for you. The first is, um, do you have another Canadian film or documentary you would like to recommend to our listeners that you love? You know what? I've only seen the trailer, so I, this is kind of a crappy recommendation, but I've heard a lot of really good things. Um, I, I guess there's actually two of them, but um, the the Gordon Lightfoot documentary that's coming out, and then um, the Willie O'Ree one, uh, which is, I guess, kind of sim- not similar to this movie, but the first you know black player in the NHL. Um, that looks absolutely incredible and such cool story. I know his story really well. I haven't seen the film yet because I, was so, I wasn't in town for hot dogs, but um, that is one that I would say people need to check out. Fantastic. And then my last question for you is, what does Canada need more of to support its artists? Money. It's always money. It's the hardest thing, and, and it doesn't matter what project you're working on because budgets scale, right? And um, it's the toughest thing, you know? And, and But also... Don't make shitty production quality stuff. Like, you know, I think if, if you're trying to do something on the cheap just to do something, it, it could potentially hurt you more than help you. Um, you know, and, and we're lucky to live in a world where technology has allowed us to, you know, create some pretty beautiful stuff for, for not that expensive. And that's, I think, a big part of it, you know. So, you know, money money is one. And then make sure you're using good gear so people don't just say this is a crappy Canadian production. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, Jaron. Awesome. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.